Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Take what other people tell you with a grain of salt, especially when it's something that is so significantly life-changing for you. And to really get quiet and listen to what your voice is telling you and to stick with that, even when other people tell you, you know, maybe that's not a great idea. If you trust yourself, then you're more likely to come up with something that is going to be great for your life as opposed to, you know, everybody else's life. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator Lisa Koski for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Koski. Listeners, thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Doing Divorce Different. It is a great one. I have Dr. Susan Vickberg with me. And I think the thing that's most awesome about her, it's not the fact that she's a psychologist, a coach, and an author. It's the fact that she's been divorced with her husband for about 13 years. They still live under the same roof with his new wife and their children as a family. This is so fitting for doing divorce different. Suzanne has tools to help you design your own divorce, to do this a different way, to not follow the stigma that our society throws at you about hating your ex. You can do this different. You may not want to move in with your ex, but she's got a lot of tips that are going to help you through a divorce and co-parenting. Stay tuned. It's a good one. Welcome, Suzanne. I am so excited to have you here today. I'm feeling so blessed because I think you are doing divorce different. You are the epitome of that. You are living it. And in the intro, I let my listeners know just a little piece of information about you living under the same roof as your ex-husband and his wife and your children. So we'll get more into that. But I am always so grateful for my guests who have gone through something. I'm sure it wasn't all easy. And that you're sharing that story. You're an author. You've got a great book out there that sadly I was not able to read, just ordered it, haven't gotten it yet. But I believe, is it called Divorce by Design? That's right. Awesome. Well, Suzanne, welcome. And would you just share your story with our listeners? How did you divorce different and what led you to it? Sure. And thank you so much for having me on and for for having this great forum for, for people to come and share. So my story is that about 13 years ago, my now ex-husband and I decided to end our marriage. And, you know, it wasn't a, a decision we made that day, of course. There were a few years before that where we were just really struggling and I couldn't figure out how to leave. It just seemed like with two small children that we had at the time, it just didn't seem like an acceptable 
alternative for me to leave the family, to break up the family. And so, you know, I like thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And I just felt really trapped. But I started to sort of challenge some of the assumptions that most of us have about divorce, whether we know that we have these assumptions or not. And one of them is that when people get divorced, they don't live together anymore. If you think of divorced people, maybe you know some who live together, but most of them don't. And it was a real sticking point because here we were with two small children. They were two and four when we separated. We had a house that we loved in a town that we loved on a street that we loved. And it just felt like this is not something that we want to give up. And so we decided to challenge that assumption and just say, you know what, we could get divorced and still live here together. We can still raise our kids together under the same roof. And so that's what we decided to do. So I applaud you for that because I'm even thinking, like we're hearing tidbits of this, Mm -hmm. of people doing this or nesting. Mm -hmm. Were you 13 years ago or was it strictly born out of your mind and I mean, I can't imagine how your ex, who was you were married to at the time, what his reaction was. Well, you know, I think that his reaction, he was very afraid, I think, of losing our house and losing our mm-hmm. family and losing, you know, all of what we had together. And when I said, like, we don't have to change any of that, you know, we could actually just stay here together. How about that? And what if we just raised our kids together, but got divorced? And what if we didn't, you know, change our situation? Like he was on my health insurance at the time. Like, what if we could just keep all of that the same, but get divorced? Because that was able to sort of put to rest what his most immediate Mm -hmm. fears were. He just went with it, you know, and I don't think either one of us, we couldn't see ahead 13 years, you know, right in the moment, it was like, well, let's not shake this up too much. Let's keep some of this stuff. So he was, he was pretty willing to try. Well, and Suzanne, it's such a good option because most of my clients, their number one fear, if they have kids is not seeing them every day. Number two, they don't want to lose their home. Yeah. So I mean, even if people thought through, well, why don't we for the first year do it like this? I mean, I don't know that I've even ever offered that up, to, you know, to some of my clients. They have you ever, ever thought of this? Yeah. So because it just seems like you kind of have to hate your spouse, right? You're getting divorced. You hate him. And and that's not how it is. And that's not how my clients are in general. I have the most amazing clients who want to work together. But I can imagine in some ways it was easier, right? Like you didn't have to worry about those big things. But were there things about it that were pretty difficult to like, I can only imagine when you started dating. Yes. So definitely there's lots that's been easier. I mean, we have so much flexibility and especially when the kids were young, you know, we didn't need babysitters. We didn't have a rigid schedule. So it wasn't like, oh, I never can go out on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. We kept it all very loose and someone was always here. And so it was easy to travel for work or go out for a night, you know, For sure, there were challenges in the beginning, you know, things were pretty tense. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. the fact that you're still living together means you're just coming up to 
face to face and like living in that tense feeling all the time. I mean, when I moved into the guest room that even that gave me a feeling of space, like I had somewhere to go that was mine. And then bedroom we had shared became his. So we both had a little bit of space. And then ultimately we added on to the house. So now I have a whole, you know, apartment essentially that is mine. So over time we got the space. Yes, dating has, it's interesting, right? He met his now wife almost right away and was very clear with her from the beginning that it's a not negotiable. You know, I Mm -hmm. live with my ex and kids and that's how it's going to stay. And she's a very open-minded person and was willing to just explore it. And, you know, I mean, of course she was a little hesitant, but she said, let me figure this situation out. And she was willing to try. And a lot of people wouldn't be. For me, I've had, you know, I've dated lots of different people. I've had relationships, some of them a year or more. People react in lots of different ways. You know, some people don't want anything to do with it. And, you know, they are suspicious of it. And, and I, you know, I don't blame them. I mean, some people are just like, no, unless you're like totally out of this, I don't, you know, I'm not interested in that. Other people, I find especially people whose parents have divorced are more open because if interesting, yeah, they had a bad experience or a very challenging childhood because of their divorce. And that was the case for my ex's wife, Anna. They see it differently. They see that we are trying to do something differently for our kids and how our kids will grow up within our divorce. And so they're sometimes a little bit more likely to say, well, I will see how this, what it's like. Right. Well, and I, I do think it's probably the, about the best thing you can do for your kids. And which leads me, I was curious when you started talking, were you or your ex-husband children of divorce? Had you been through it? No, no. neither of us. My parents were married for over 50 years and His parents were married for a very long time. His father died when he was in college or just out of college, but they were married up until then. So neither Mm -hmm. one of us actually had really any experience with divorce. I didn't know anybody really that was close in my life that was divorced. And I sometimes wonder if that's why I didn't have as many. I mean, I certainly knew how people typically do it, but I didn't feel the need to like live within that. Are you that kind of a person? That's what I want to know, because I don't know that I would think outside of the box like that, you know, even though it's people want to do what's best for their kids and it's not going to be for everyone. And, you know, like you were saying, it's kind of evolved for you where now you're not in a guest room. You have kind of decided to add an apartment on. Is that what it is where you, but your kids have freedom. I mean, your kids have parents as if you were married. Yeah. And there's three of us, three parents. (laughs) And do, does your ex-husband and his new wife, do they have children too? No, there's no additional children. So just, just our two kids who are now teenagers. I mean, we started this when they were two and four, they're now 16 and 18. And my son's about to go to college, but you know, for 13 years, they have had three involved active parents. So yeah, that's been amazing for them and, and honestly for all of us. Well, and it would be so interesting for me to ask your kids, what did this feel like? I mean, I almost feel like 
did you even have to, I mean, they were pretty little, so I don't know how much you would have to explain, but did you have to really even explain? Well, we did explain, you know, my son, he, he did cry when we told him that, you know, we okay. said we're not going to be married anymore. He couldn't really express why he was upset, but he was saying, I just want you to be, I just want you to be married. But it was interesting that we, you know, in talking to him a couple of years later, he came home one day and told me, he said, guess what, mom? You know what? When some people get divorced, they get two separate houses. Like he thought our situation was normal and right. other people had like the weird situation. This is <laughs> just how he grew up. And now um, he actually did use this as the topic of his college essays when he was applying for college this past year. And he talked about how growing up this way has helped him be more creative in terms of problem solving and, you know, that there's not two options, you know, there's, there's right. another way to solve problems. And I'll tell you, he's quite a deal maker, you know, so whenever you're negotiating with him, he's sort of famous for saying, hear me out, hear me out. <laughs> because He's always going to present us with some other ideal that works better for him. That is amazing. And what a gift that you gave your children that you were able to do this. And okay, so one's off in college. And then no, you've got yet. I'm still holding on to him. Oh, you're still holding on. He wrote his essay. Okay. Yeah. So and I suppose do you just kind of not look too far into the future and just this is how it is now? Or yeah. are you thinking, well, maybe I won't stay here after they're gone? Yeah, we had talked about once they're both in college, you know, that maybe we'll sell the house. We live in a very high tax area of New uh -huh. Jersey, but kids come home from college, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I don't know that we'll sell it right away when they're both, you know, gone. But, you know, at some point, it would seem likely that maybe we won't keep living together, you know, that I will get my own place of some kind. But yeah, right now, I'm just not that worried about it. And when we started it, what we agreed was we will keep doing this as long as it works well for all of us. Yeah. You know, we didn't, we could not have predicted 15, right. you know, 13 years, 15 years, but it has continued to work. And, you know, of course there are challenges and blips along the way, but never anything that made it seem like there was a better option than just continue to work it out and stay together. Sure. Sure. Okay. So I have a question. I don't know if this might be personal, but do you own the house together actually, or does one person rent from the other? Yes, we own it together. We, you know, we owned it. We were married when we bought yeah. it. So we own it together and, you know, we have a legal agreement for what will happen if we sell it, but yeah, we continue to own it together. Well, and I think it's so interesting because a lot of my clients don't realize because you're not thinking that way. You're thinking of dividing everything up mm -hmm. and it doesn't, the light bulb doesn't turn on that. You don't, you can own a house with someone you're not married to. Mm -hmm. And I know other people who have gotten divorced and one person has moved out and yet they continue to own the house together because, mm -hmm. you know, they have reasons that involve their finances or whatever. The house has equity. They want to keep building it. And they've decided that it makes sense, you know, and they work it out in other ways with their, their financial arrangement together. 
But sometimes it doesn't make sense to sell the house for either person. Exactly. And, you know, now we're looking more creatively with the interest rates being higher and people not wanting to refinance. So people are thinking about that a little bit more. But yeah, there are all kinds of different reasons where you can own your home together. Next, I want to ask you about how to help people kind of start thinking like you. Mm -hmm. But I have to ask, how did people react? I mean, I'm such a people pleaser. I'm working on that. I'm being coached. I'm not being a people pleaser. But people must have been, are you nuts? I mean, I mean, I don't know. What were or were they very supportive and thought it was a great idea? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I also am a pleaser, also working on it with a coach and my therapist. <laughs> so I do want to please people, but I also have this side of me that's like, you know what? Unless you overstep, then I no longer care. Everyone thought it was crazy and told us this terrible idea. Everyone, everyone. not one person. I don't think I met a single person in the first two years, at least, who ever said, hey, you're really onto something. (laughs) Everybody said, nope, that's a terrible idea. You know, whether they were friends, family, strangers, professionals, you know, everybody. I don't know. I just kind of said, well, I think it's a good idea. And so did that lead you to write your book? What read that led you? Yeah, I really think it was partly people's responses because it made me realize that's why I call myself a divorce revolutionary because everyone's responses told me this is not just like a little tweak on the norm. Like this is something different. And Mm -hmm. even nesting, the more typical type of nesting, which is also revolutionary, but where you keep the kids in the middle and the parents move in and out is still a little different from what we're doing, where we just said, well, you know what? We're still a family. Mm -hmm. We're just not married to each other. And we can just both live here. I mean, we didn't see any reason for anyone to move in and out. So people's reactions were part of what helped me see like, this is something very different. And I also just want to say, in terms of your question, like, what do people need to think about it? First of all, you don't need to do it my way, mm-hmm. right? Most people don't want to, or couldn't for whatever reason. It's not about living together, necessarily. That's just like one flavor. Right. But it's about thinking very carefully about every single step in the divorce process and challenging the assumptions that underlie those steps and asking yourself, is this actually necessary and helpful to us to do this thing? I mean, one of the examples I give is, you know, if you go to any kind of divorce professional, usually one of the questions that you're going to be asked is, how do you plan to split up the holidays with the children? Mm -hmm. Which is very legitimate question, but there's an assumption in it. And that is that you'll split up the holidays. But we don't want to split up the holidays. We want to spend the holidays together with our children. And so, you know, but if you're just, you know, you're overwhelmed with so many questions, so many decisions, so many things you have to think about, plus all of your emotions, that when people ask you questions, especially if they are knowledgeable about divorce or you've hired them to help you with divorce, it's very natural to think that when they ask you a question, you have to come up with an answer that sort of fits into the box. Right. Which this, this is going to totally make me better at what I do. And I will say when I do go over the holiday schedule, I say, how do you usually spend the holidays? Do you want to continue to do them together? Do you think you could do that for your kids? And sadly, 
some of my parents can't see past the anger to the other parent. And that's okay. But I think one of the key things that you said um, that just hit me was that you still want it to be a family. And that is what kids need. I don't know. Have you ever watched the movie Split and Split Up by Ellen Bruno? I don't think so. Oh, they're so good. But it shows what kids go through during divorce. And then it goes out 10 years and interviews the same kids. And there was one kid in particular who did extremely well. And he was the one that called everyone his family. Mm. He's like, yeah, my family's different. I have, you know, a stepmom and a, you know, and, but they were still a family and they did everything together. And so you can do it that way too and be successful. So I love that you mentioned that. That's so key and so important. Okay. So give my listeners a little bit of advice on Thinking outside the box. So if I'm going to be thinking about this, if I'm going to be helping people, and I mean through the whole divorce process, because, you know, I will say this is legally how the state of Minnesota wants you to divide your assets. Mm -hmm. This is your divorce. Yeah. And, you know, it could be if they did something far-fetched that a judge may not agree. Yeah. So far, knock on wood. When they're in agreement and they understand what they're doing, it's worked out. How can listeners keep that in the forefront of their mind and bring the other person along? Because it sounds like you kind of brought your ex-spouse into Mm -hmm. this way. One of the first things to do is get very clear on the problem you're solving for. And so we're not all getting divorced for the same reasons. And so what I like to talk about in my book is don't oversolve for problems you don't have. Mm-hmm. And so in our case, it wasn't that we couldn't stand to be in the same room together or couldn't stand to live together. It wasn't that we couldn't co-parent together or manage our finances. It was we didn't have the kind of connection that we wanted to have with each other in order to be married. So we solved for that problem. And we didn't oversolve by selling our house and splitting our kids and like juggling the money around and all of that. We solved the problem we had. We didn't solve other problems that we didn't have, which allowed us to keep the good parts of our relationship as a family. We got rid of what didn't work and we kept the other stuff. What I love about what you're saying too, this is so interesting. Sometimes I'll start a mediation with clients and when they don't have kids, the first thing we go over is finances and we kind of fix it. Like we go through and we, and then they go, well, we don't even really need to be divorced because now we've got this figured out. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Sometimes I've thought if we, you know, if you're like fighting over finances with your spouse, if you got separate bank accounts and put a written agreement in place and all the stuff you have to do when you get divorced, like maybe you wouldn't have to get divorced. Maybe mm-hmm. for some people that would solve it, as would having every other weekend off from your children might also solve some people. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You know, that is such a good point. And I always like to really talk through this with, with my clients when they come Because I do believe it. I mean, I've been married for 31 years, so I believe in it. So your point about like splitting weekends, I mean, 
Oh, that's a good one. And <laughs> if those are things that can keep them together or at least really parenting well together, yeah. what a what great it see. You think outside the box. Yeah. I'm gonna like need to call you up and have yeah. you on my shoulder. I've had a lot of people who have read my book say, you know, this book is not just relevant for people who are getting divorced. If you applied all of the yes. techniques in this book to your marriage, it would improve your marriage. So, you know, I wrote it from the perspective of divorce because that's what I wanted to share. But a lot of the same things, it's about getting more creative and making intentional decisions. You know, in, when we're married and we're in a family, like there's this idea that, oh, we have to do all these family activities and spend all the weekends together and do all this yeah. stuff. Maybe not. Maybe that's not right for you. But getting back to the, you know, what else should people think about is really creating a divorce vision. So yeah. if you could have any kind of divorce, the best possible divorce you could come up with, what would that look like? And, you know, people often miss that step, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're not used to thinking about something that we think of as a bad thing, as like a vision of how could it be actually a great thing, even if it's not what you wanted, you know, I didn't want to get divorced. It's not like I was, you know, going around wishing that would happen, but once it became clear to me that staying in the situation wasn't good for me or for him, I started thinking like, what could it look like that, you know, and so we really focused on getting the distance from each other and the separation and freedom that we needed to find other connections with other people, but at the same time, nurturing our family mm -hmm. and causing it the least pain possible for everyone and leaving all of us better off. Like that yeah. was our vision. And once you're very, very clear about where you're going, even if you can't get there all the way there, you can get closer than if you're just following along on the path that, you know, other people have shown you, which is often not a great, you know, and you can act intentionally. I mean, it's just like mm -hmm. I write down my goals every day. It for yeah. some reason just helps me stay focused on what I'm doing. So for every little decision, you can ask yourself. Does this solve the problem we actually have, or does it contribute to solving the problem we actually have? Yeah. And does it get us closer to this divorce vision? Okay. So Suzanne, I have to have you on when I'm done reading your book. Would you mind coming back I, on? I would love to come back. <laughs> I would, because I've, this is so good, but I can't wait to read it and talk more about yeah. it. Hey. I just wanted to pop in here quick before this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan you will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses and sign up for the parenting plan course now because 
when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. So Suzanne, I can't believe how fast this time has gone. It has flown by. But as you know, as I wind down and wrap up, I have what I call the saddle up segment where I ask my guests and you've given us so much good information. But if there's one little tidbit or something the listeners can do right now today for a better life or to head in the right direction, do you have something to share? Yeah, I think it is to take what other people tell you with a grain of salt, especially when it's something that is so significantly life-changing for you. And to really get quiet and listen to what your voice is telling you. And to stick with that, even when other people tell you, you know, maybe that's not a great idea. If you trust yourself then you're more likely to come up with something that is going to be great for your life as opposed to, you know, everybody else's life. And you are a total example of that. So Suzanne, if my listeners want to get in touch with you, what is the best way and how can they get your book? Yep. So my book, Divorce by Design, is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the places. They can get in touch with me on my website, SuzanneVickberg.com on Instagram at Suzanne Vickberg, on LinkedIn, Suzanne Vickberg. I'm happy to connect with anyone in any of those places and talk about coaching or just answer questions or just connect and hear people's stories. And I would love to do that. I know that you would be beneficial for those. You've been just a great asset to me. You've made me a better mediator. And I have just thoroughly enjoyed having you on. And just for listeners, all that information will be in the show notes. So don't worry if you didn't get it written down, you'll be able to find Suzanne. So we're going to have you back, but thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Hey friends, you may have heard me mention my swan analogy how mediation is a lot like a swan gliding on a lake, not necessarily happy, not necessarily sad, but content, calm, and peaceful. I especially want this for my parents. And in custody cases involving alcohol, it can be very difficult to find peace of mind if you're fearful your child's safety is in jeopardy. Soberlink helps ease these concerns and improve child safety, which is why I recommend it to all my clients who raise concerns over a co-parent's alcohol misuse. Soberlink has remote alcohol monitoring technology, allowing parents to receive real-time alerts multiple times a day, ensuring the child is with a sober parent. Similar to mediation, Soberlink is time and cost-effective and worth every penny knowing your child is safe. To begin receiving real-time alerts that your child is safe and to receive $50 off your device, visit www.soberlink.com different. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.